So uh, welcome in, Steve. Um, looking forward to today's discussion, um, and go ahead when you're ready. Right. Oh, thanks a lot, Conrad, and thanks to all who are joining us today. I do want to express my appreciation for for you uh, guys tuning in, and um, it was great last week to to be able to meet Lauren and uh, Derek and Jennifer Nelson and a couple others. That was Dave Brandt's field day, just to uh, interact and so forth. And I tell you, this certainly, if if uh, without going into all the details, the enthusiasm for cover crops and for soil health is um, is still quite quite huge. And uh, I could, I guess, say that it was kind of like uh, singing to the choir, uh, maybe. But the, the choir is so big that they had to turn people away from that field day. Uh, there were 300 people, I believe, were there. So, uh, again, good good to meet uh, some of you. That's always just fantastic to do. Uh, so, anyway, today we're going to talk about cover crops and slugs. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if guys like Andy, who's up there in southern Alberta, I'm guessing here, but I imagine you don't have slugs. Um, you know, if you want to, you can type that in, or we could talk later. But uh, for the rest of us, further south, uh, slugs can be a challenge. And, and it's kind of synonymous with cover crops and or no-till because we're setting up an environment that slugs uh, are able to thrive in. Now, that being said, uh, I am going to discuss some of uh, my journey in dealing with slugs. Uh, I certainly have plenty of them around here in my area, actually on my farm, and I would say that I do have noticeable slug damage. When I say noticeable, I'm not talking about replant type noticeable, but we have noticeable slug damage pretty much every year, unless we have a drier than normal spring. So um, so anyway, uh, I see Andy indeed does not have any slugs, so that's one thing, Andy, you don't have to worry about. Um, the rest of us, it's something we need to manage around. I'm, I'm here to say that I do believe there are a number of small details in management that we can be able to manage, uh, manage our slugs. Notice I didn't say control them. Um, the, the best control for slugs is something that I don't encourage, and that would be tillage. Um, so I think we're pretty much all in agreement. We don't want to go back to moldboard plowing just to control our slugs. Uh, so I'm approaching it from the standpoint, for me personally, I'm no-tilling and I'm using cover crops. That's pretty, that's, that's what I do. And that's what a lot of you do here on this, that are on here today. So that's the approach we're coming. How can we manage slugs in the context of growing our, uh, our, our, growing our crops? So. Um, I see Lauren says he's already seen them here. I haven't looked for them yet, Lauren. I don't even want to, but I, uh, uh, I'm sure they're going to be waking up because we have uh, nice warm uh, temperatures here this, this week. So let's get right into it here. Um, in the past, for me, uh, there was basically two methods of control, and I was just thinking. My mindset was I got to control these slugs. So uh, I think as I evolve in my own way of thinking about cover crops and soil health and biology, I no longer immediately think of killing something uh, 
in the context of using a chemical or something like that. I try to back up and say, what is the biological function here? What do we need to be thinking about? So in the past, the, the deadline MP, MP stands for mini pellets. I think that's what it stands for. Uh, deadline is a product that, um, I guess you could say the good thing about it is it pretty much only affects the mollusks, which is the terminology of the family that the slugs are in. Slugs are not an insect. Um, as I understand, there's, there's certainly a lot different. Um, so uh, I, I have not heard of dramatic negative effects by what is in, the, in the, the active ingredient in deadline. I have heard some people say there is. I have heard that they were going to be taken off the market. Uh, I don't know what's up. I think they're still available. Um, but that has been kind of in the back pocket of everybody for many, many years. And I'm going to show you that I still have some in my storage shed uh, just in case. Uh, but I'm going to talk about that through here. The other way is uh, maybe a, kind of a home remedy type way. Take some management, but 10 gallons of uh, liquid nitrogen. I don't think it really matters if it's 28% or 32%, but with, uh, with 10 gallons of water, the 20 gallon then per acre is enough to pretty much cover everything, but you have to actually hit the slug itself. So the slugs have to be out. And that means usually in the evening or at night, and sometimes it can get a little difficult to actually uh, maybe spray at that time, uh, depending on what type of equipment you have. So, um, so anyway, um, that's some of the stuff. I've used both the deadline and the, this here with uh, liquid nitrogen, I've used that successfully uh, years ago. I'm talking 15, 20 years ago. Um, the thing about nitrogen is if you want to look at a good side, of that if, if we're going into corn, we can actually account for some of that nitrogen to, to the, for the corn plant to utilize it. So, uh, again, we're only going to kill the ones that are actively feeding at that moment and that are actually hit. I should say, with the chemical. I think the salt in it or whatever it just burns them up because they're obviously they're very soft skin and very sensitive um, to that. So I have done that. Um, I found out that if it's not a sunny day, if the next day is cloudy, you won't get much burning on the corn. And we're talking in the V2 to V4 stage here. You won't get many singed leaves. If you have it a sunny day, after you do it, you may get more burn. But uh, it is an option out there. Um, so that's, that is kind of what I've done in the past. Um, this next picture is a, actually my neighbor's soybean field this past spring. This is a little less than a year ago. And that's classic slug damage right there where you can see that, um, you know, that kind of, you know, various shaped, uh, it's always kind of centered in a center point, and then it kind of comes out from there. So, um, you know, when you when it's at this stage, you definitely probably have lost some yield and total. There's there's some spots in there that you've lost total. This guy went in and and had to replant those areas. Um, I actually uh, replanted for my I planted soybeans for a neighbor. Did some custom planting, and he called me up. Uh, last year, last spring, about two weeks later, he said, I think something's the matter with the soybeans. Did you have your planter set right? And I said, I was confident I did, but 
I just went over there in the four-wheeler and I saw right away it was slug damage. He ended up planting uh, about two acres. He ended up planting three times. So um, that was a pretty bad infestation. I will say last year here it was cool and wet, which is kind of the perfect storm for slugs. The plants, the seedlings grow slow, and the slugs have plenty of time to feed on them. Because um, a quick growing plant in warm weather can a lot of times outgrow slug damage. So I want you to remember this picture here because I'm going to talk uh, about using cover crops and maybe how cover crops can help reduce slug damage. And it's primarily in the concept of planting green, which we have talked about before, where we're going in and planting our, um, our cash crops into either living or very recently killed cover crop that actually keeps the slugs in the cover crop longer so our cash crop can grow. And so you see this picture here. Um, I uh, also did research last year on slugs and on my farm, and I'm doing some again this year. I'm the, it's the third year of a Penn State study. I'm going to share about that coming up here. But I want to back up um, uh, with, with that now um, to my journey, I'll call it. Uh, when I was in France in 2008, um, I realized that I wasn't the only one who had slug issues. If you know anything about France, uh, at least in the, the northern part, the Brittany area, in the northwestern uh, part it would be, they, have, uh, they don't have hot um, summers and they don't have cold winters because France is essentially on two sides surrounded by the ocean and the south by the Mediterranean Sea. So it's more of a temperate climate, which makes it for a little slow in the spring for their cash crops to grow, which makes slugs even a bigger problem. And one of the things they were doing at the time is you see the picture on the left, this is a monison planter, and they actually had these slug bait attachments that, as you can see there, the tubes went down, and then when you look at the right-hand pictures, a close-up of the closing wheels where they just uh, dribbled out these deadline mini pellets that I referenced previously. So they're just putting um, a, basically a trail right over the row, and they were saying that's the most cost-effective way they could do it. There was, they didn't feel there was a need to control them full, full scale just when the slug lumbers over or crawls over toward the road that they're going to have, uh, you know, they want some slug bait there. So um, that's where, where I kind of thought that was interesting. But um, what I want to share next is what really made my attention, really got my attention. And now uh, this is a picture of my good friend Frederic Thomas from France. Um, clearly a, a, an expert in cover crops and uh, reduced no-tillage. And they were telling me, and he was saying they're seeing some results by planting um, mixed species cover crops, by planting green, uh, looking at cover crop rotations. But the thing that most intrigued me was that he said we were, we're thinking the wrong way. We need to try to enhance the predators of the slugs. And probably most of you have heard this before, but the most famous predator of a slug is a carabid beetle. 
And um, that's, that's just something that I realize intrigued me, and I realize it's something where I need, to, I need to be more aware of this. So it's a systems approach. We're not just going to do like one treatment. I mean, you know, historically, I, I, you know, us farmers have been kind of trained to think if we have a pest, let's get, let's get the sledgehammer out, so to speak, and kill it. And in the meantime, we may be doing other secondary effects that, that make the whole situation uh, even worse sometimes. So this whole thing of a systems approach is what really attracted me to, uh, to try to look at my farm, how I can uh, eliminate, not eliminate, I, I don't think that's, that's too much of an ideal, I believe. Uh, I'm not saying it can never happen. Right now, it's all about managing the slugs. So let's come back to Pennsylvania now, where I'm from. And uh, there's been several Pennsylvania farmers who have noticed that they seem to have less slug damage when they planted green. And in this case here, I'm planting green there on the kind of the left-hand side of that picture. On the right side, you see the cover crop has been terminated a little earlier. Um, so farmers were coming and saying, we're seeing less slug damage. So Penn State said, okay, let's test it out, see if it's, you know, to see if the anecdotal evidence is indeed uh, scientific or not. So this picture here is uh, of last year, 2016, where uh, we're, we did the second year of a study that uh, about five, four or five different sites across Pennsylvania are terminating cover crops at two different stages, uh, early and late. And early and late is kind of defined each year. Uh, last year, because of the wet weather we had, it was a three to four week difference because it was uh, wet. The year before, in 2015, it was only some places five days different and other places uh, short as two weeks different. So, you know, early and late is very subjective, but what we're trying to look at here, not just slugs, but is planting green, is that a viable option? And by doing replications, as you can see here, uh, we, we put it out to uh, a good test. So uh, the other thing they did is looked at predators, predators of slugs just to see what's going on. Can we better understand uh, maybe why we are seeing less slug damage where it's planted green? Uh, Dr. John Tooker from Penn State University did some research in lab where he put different types of cover crops and put slugs in there. And he did notice, and this was interesting, that the slugs seemed to prefer some of the, some of the cover crops uh, to the cash crops when he planted like a soybean in there or a, or a corn plant. So that, that by having a green cover crop, in other words, food for a slug, is, is maybe a tactic we can use. Because if you can imagine, you look at the right-hand side of that picture, that's, that's kind of past prime for slug food. You know, slugs are not, they're not into dead stuff as much. And they're into green living plants. So instead of killing everything off brown, having our nice little corn or soybean seedling coming up, and all of a sudden, it's like ice cream for dinner, you know, for the slugs. So a um, lot of theory here that does make sense, but does it really work in reality? So a couple slides here are some data. Some of this is 2015 data. Some of this is uh, 2016 data. But we did indeed find more predators. Now, this is more than just the crabid beetle or ground beetles. Uh, there's different names. Actually, we found out that lightning bugs 
the, the larvae of a lightning bug actually, uh, or the insect part actually eats, eats slugs. So we have lightning bugs in our area here, so they're definitely helping our slugs. But we, we indeed saw some more uh, predators there, which, which is, is kind of supporting our theory. Next slide here is five locations. The brown bars is what was killed early. The green bars is planted green. Now, I want to mention here that the planting date is the same day, but it's the termination date that determines the early and late here. The planting date's at the same day. Now, this is soybeans. But, and, and you can see it's consistent uh, across there. Uh, if you see the Myers farm there, it's, it was almost the same, where we actually had less slug damage this is observed damage on the plants uh, where we have, where we planted green. So this is this is great, and uh, it's it's what we expect, and so forth. But let's look at the corn. A um, little different story here with the corn. And of all things, you see my plot over there on the far left. I had more than double the amount of slug damage. Now I'm talking slug damage. This is just looking at a certain amount of, uh, of plants and everything. I had more than double the slug damage that was, that, that was uh, compared to where I had terminated early. And as you look across there, all the ones except the one at Rock Springs, which is actually at Penn State, kind of agreed to that. So I wanted to just show you the best and the worst. Now, I didn't put up the 2015 data here. I didn't want to get through so many slides. What I'll just summarize, and by the way, we're the second year into this. They just flagged the plots yesterday for me for this year. Um, the, the real short take-home summary of the second year of this three-year project is, um, is overall slightly, slightly less slug damage in corn when we average 2015 in. In soybeans, both years have been significantly less slug damage in soybeans. Now, I think those of us who have done a lot of uh, planting green and so forth, planting soybeans into particularly a cereal rye is always fairly easy to do. It just seems like it works so many times. So there could be some other variables going into all this. I don't think that's just slugs. But right now, we're seeing significant less slugs in soybeans and very slightly, it's almost a tie, almost no difference um, with, uh, with corn in the amount of slugs. And again, you, I didn't put up all the data here, but the yields on, uh, on corn is about the same. The yields in soybeans are higher in planting green, and that falls in line with a lot of other studies and a lot of experience that people have had with that. So, I'm not going to dwell on that a whole lot more because I want to stick to the topic of slugs here um, in this. But this is this is some really, I think, helpful things going on. We just met the other day, those of us who are cooperating, met with Penn State, and we're just had some discussions. And it's going to be interesting to see what year three uh, does here uh, and how that goes out. So um, just just summarizing what I just said there, that slightly less damage, especially in soybeans, and, and also slightly more predators. So that's kind of what we've been theorizing, and it looks like we can back it up now 
as, as we uh, move forward. So uh, I'll just say that the, the right-hand side there is, is a ground beetle or a crabbed beetle. There's different versions of them. I'm not sure exactly which is the exact one that I have. Um, I've looked at them, seen them running around. Um, but there's another issue that we need to bring into our discussion here that's kind of gathering some momentum. And that's the whole thing of using the, the seed treatments that we typically use probably on 99.9% .9 of seed corn has some sort of neonicotinoid seed treatment on it. Um, and there's different names for them. Um, uh, Poncho is one, Gaucho is an older one, I think. Uh, but these neonics, I'll just say neonicotinoid, neonic for short, um, we think there's a potential issue here that could be exacerbating our slug problem because, um, and it's called a non-target secondary kill. So these beetles, like we see in the right, like to eat slugs. So the beetles are our friends. They're, they eat slugs. If a slug eats a young corn seedling or a young soybean seedling, it will ingest the neonic in its system, but it has zero effect on it because it doesn't affect mollusks or slugs. Then the carabid beetle comes along and he has a free lunch by, uh, or he gets, he, he sees this slug. He eats the slug and the neonicotinoid is in the slug and it kills our friendly carabid beetle or ground beetles. So it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting a war, but we're losing battles. And there's, um, I know this is something with, uh, again, I mentioned John Tooker again from Penn State. He's, a lot of what he does is studying this now. And um, so is, is this something that we need to kind of step back a little bit and, and look at it? I think it is. And, um, and, and I, I will just say that I am not saying we need to not use any insecticides or anything like that. But I am saying I think we need to relook at this. In the context now, as we move into more of a biological-based system, I feel this kind of thinking here, this kind of consideration has merit. So um, I, I tell you what, we've been planting now as part of our project untreated seed, um, seed that has no treatment on it. And I've got to tell you, after a lifetime of dumping in pink, green, or blue seed, when you dump in yellow seed into the corn planter, it is weird. Uh, it's just like, this doesn't seem right. But um, I've done this for two years now, and uh, this is part of our study. And we are not finding, when, 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 and, and I haven't done all the comparisons, but in a, what I'm going to call, uh, and I'll just say maybe an advanced biological system. The system has good soil health, been using cover crops for a while, uh, probably have more predators in, in the area and so forth, um, that we, there may be something to this. Do we need the insecticide we have been putting on? Uh, I'm just still asking the question, uh, although I'm getting a little more confident now, and next year, after this year, if things still look good, I don't plan to use any seed treatments on my seed. I'm not saying that everyone should do that. I'm just saying where I'm at, and I, I am looking at this pretty hard because I think there's something there. Um, so I'm just kind of kind of 
maybe leave that at that. Probably now would be a good time to break, because um, I'm sure this might have stirred up some questions. Uh, so if there's anyone, you know, would have a question, um, you can unmute yourself and ask it. I'd be happy to have a little discussion um, on this. So uh, sure. while you're thinking, um, I see one, Dan. Yep, go ahead there with Dan's question. How yeah. would you quantify what is a mature biological system? <laughs> well, to borrow a phrase from Dan Towery, it depends. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think I'll just, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm in, a, in all seriousness, you know, you're five years into this. You got experience. You, you have uh, been using cover crops. You learn how to use them. You're maximizing life in the soil. Your, your soil health is improving. Uh, I have no data to support all this. Uh, I'm just going on some anecdotal evidence by other farmers from what I see on my farm and it kind of makes sense to me. So I certainly would hate to see any farmer go out there and just try to get, it's actually tough to get seed that's not treated, but even if you do, do not try this on your whole farm. Uh, so that's kind of my answer to that. I brought back everybody's mic, so if uh, there's any other questions, uh, we'll take a few questions here before we wrap up today's talk. Any other questions? Anyone have any questions? Okay. Um, I see John's mic's open. I don't know, John, if you're available to talk or not, but um, if you are. Okay, I think we're going to move on. Um, I do have a few more, I guess, say little things um, to add here. Uh, make sure you're seeing there, uh, the, it's titled Proper Row Closure. And this is one area that I think is an easy fix. Uh, there's plenty of option of closing wheels out there in the market today. Uh, any type, if we're planning into um, a, with, with, with a living cover crop, you're going to pretty much have to have some sort of spoked or spiked closing wheel to get that seed slot closed. Uh, I've seen slugs literally crawl down the row and just start nibbling on the little shoots. Uh, that is devastating there. You're going to kill the plant. Uh, a slug can do some quite visible damage sometimes to a, a V2, V3 corn plant, but it's amazing how corn can uh, rebound out of that. Um, so um, having that row closed is one simple thing that anyone can do to at least help eliminate some of the, some of the problems. I wanted to show you my slug bait. Um, about four or five, five years ago maybe, uh, I had heard that this was going to be outlawed, and, and still four or five years ago, I certainly um, wanted to have some on hand, so I bought several hundred pounds just to have, but if you can see there, it's quite dusty. And uh, I just, just wanted to mention that I have not used any slug bait or I've not had to control slugs in any fashion for the past five years. Um, that does not mean I do not have slugs because I certainly do. I actually just yesterday uh, in one of the fields we're going to do our planting green in, it, it appears to me like I had some slug damage last fall in the triticale cover crop. So um, by all means, I want to be clear, it's not about eliminating them. but 
uh, through the use of, of various things, I'm going to summarize here a couple more things. I'm just saying that I have not had a used slug bait. Does that mean it may not happen this year? Well, I don't know, but last year was one of the most severe years for slugs. And even though I had relatively high numbers back there in that Penn State study, I didn't even consider controlling them um, there. It was just that that was the way the numbers worked out. And they were, the, the plants were far enough along that it really didn't uh, hurt that much. So I just wanted to mention here that I still have some on hand. I'm not going to give this away to anybody, uh, but they haven't been used. So just going over a few other things here, I'm going to add to what we talked about. And then if you have any questions brewing at the end there, we can, um, we can uh, discuss them here all together. But I think planting green is indeed helpful, I'll say, in eliminate, not, okay, in, in reducing slug problems. Um, cover crop mixes. And, and the whole thing here is this is strategically to help build up our natural predator base that can keep the slugs in check. That's why I think cover crop mixes, uh, and I can just say cover crops as well, but cover crop mixes I think enhance that. I've heard people say, you know, plant a little earlier and beat the slugs. Plant a little later when the plants, when the cast crops grow quicker. I don't know. Uh, that may work some years. I'm just kind of uh, I, I don't think I ever managed my slugs with that, but um, just say um, some people have said they, if they know they have bad slugs, uh, aggressive use of row cleaners. I, I don't like to use my row cleaners very much at all, uh, but I've heard of people say they really clean the row off, and, and that helps. Um, here's one that's probably one of the more effective ones, uh, increased diversity of cash crops. I understand limitations, but if it's possible, if you're having a bad problem, uh, that leads into my next point of include winter small grains. Um, there again, when the, when we're coming out of winter, um, we can see um, that the, they just generally don't have problems in the spring with when small grains like this time of the year are coming back to life. And I mentioned too proper closing of the seed trench. And just one more list here um, that I have. Um, Here's a, I have a question mark here, but pollinator plots. Um, I'm now growing uh, pollinator plots around my, my woods. I figure the, the outside 20 to 30 feet, I'm losing money on it anyway. Why not plant pollinator plots, flowering, flowering plants that can encourage my beneficials? It's one of those things. I don't know if it's you know economic or not, but what sold me on it was the idea I'm losing money next to the woods anyway. Why not plant something there that could maybe help my beneficials? Um, then we always have slug bait, kind of expensive depending how you apply it. Uh, you can get down to maybe $10 an acre, a little less strategically putting on the row, or $20, $30 an acre depending how you broadcast it. Um, one other one here that I've heard uh, someone say they thought was work, they were, they were putting um, iron on liquid iron, like foliar iron, to build up the iron of uh, whatever, the vegetable crop. And they noticed that uh, seemed to discourage the slugs. I don't know if there's anything to it. They said they're going to try it this year. I just listed that as something I heard. Um, using starter fertilizer, in other words, encouraging that plant to give it its best shot, its most vigor, to try to outgrow slugs. I think there's a little merit to that. Um, then at the beginning, I discussed about spraying a 50-50 mix 
Uh, liquid nitrogen with a final mix there of 20 gallons break or when the slugs are feeding. I still think that's an option. It's a little inconvenient. Um, maybe if it's in corn, you can get the benefit out of the nitrogen there. And then this last one here, avoid nicotinoid um, insecticides. I, I think there's something there to that. Um, and uh, that's certainly, I'm comfortable now not using them. Um, give me a couple more years to maybe wean myself totally, but that's, that's at least where I'm at personally. So that wraps up my uh, discussion. And as you're thinking about questions, if you want to open up the lines again, um, Conrad, I see there's a few questions here I can answer. Uh, but I just wanted to say that next week I am planning on talking about rolling and crimping cover crops because it's kind of the time of the year when we think about doing that. And um, so with that, uh, I'll, uh, I can just answer some questions I have that are, that are here. Um, and then, um, actually, uh, Conrad, why don't you probably summarize them a little bit uh, better than I can here right off the computer. So, um, Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think would be helpful to touch on is, you know, what do you do if you have a significant infestation of, of slugs, um, you know, and, and you haven't planted green or you haven't boosted your beneficial insects? I mean, if you're in the middle of a crisis, uh, mm -hmm. Are there any options other than bait uh, to look to? Well, I would say the emergency options would be slug bait and uh, this nitrogen application. That was what I would call the emergency op options. And I'm, I, I don't know, I see Dave uh, uh, asked that question. Um, good to have you on today, Dave, by the way. Um, so I, I feel that... Um, the nitrogen thing is is indeed valid. I've done it, and I've seen a reduction. Um, so, but you have to do it when the slugs are physically on the leaves and it will be touched by the spray, or by that that solution. Um, so, um, I mean, I know the small scale, the garden way is to uh, to bury a can in the soil level and put uh, fill it up halfway with beer. Beer seems to attract slugs; they'll crawl right into it. Uh, but that's uh, that's the home gardener uh, remedy. Mm -hmm. um, Steve, have you noticed while we're waiting for anybody else to to jump in here? Um, have you noticed any correlation between the species of cover crops that you plant and mm -hmm. the presence of slugs? Do do certain cover crops attract slugs? Well, um, it depends which year you ask that question. And I'm saying that not to be facetious, but this was part of a discussion we had with um, the researchers at Penn State. Um, and uh, I think it was in 2015, they seemed to notice that when corn was planted into crimson clover, that the corn was better than some of the other single species of cover crop, meaning that the slugs appeared to prefer crimson clover a little bit more than the corn. In 2016, they did not see the effect. So you're scratching our heads now. Um, so we're, we're hoping that 2017 will tip the scales on some of this. Uh, I don't think we can say uh, which ones yet. I don't think. I think that's, I know something that uh, is definitely uh, on the radar to look at specific species. 
Um, I will I will say that I what I shared here at the very beginning was that John Dr. John Tucker from Penn State in an aquarium in a controlled situation slugs did prefer uh, cereal rye I think it was cereal rye um, or I'm not sure if cereal rye or annual ryegrass uh, over corn uh, so there was a preference there I do know of a neighbor here who uh, he planted 15 inch annual ryegrass with a 15-inch planter, a precision planter, and um, every other row was, was annual ryegrass and the alternative rows was radishes. Next spring he came in, he planted the corn in the radish rows, and then he had this green strip of annual ryegrass, and he sprayed it uh, right after he planted, so he terminated the ryegrass. And he said even until the ryegrass was brown, he noticed the slugs stayed in the annual ryegrass. Uh, maybe, maybe they were happy enough there they didn't bother go looking for the corn that was literally only 15 inches away. I don't know. That's just anecdotal evidence, um, but it seems like there's a trend uh, toward that. So. Mm -hmm. I like Jerry Hall's comment there, it seems like a waste of beer. So, <laughs> anyone else want to just speak up and uh, have any questions? Yeah, Steve, it's Wayne here. Any any um, idea on slugs with mixes versus single species? Is, That's is there another, yeah, great question because we just had this conversation uh, last week at Penn State. Um, and, uh, you know, Dr. John Tucker is a part of this. And... He, he just doesn't see clear trends. Um, he said he doesn't see much difference in, in that. Um, what I wish we could do, and this is maybe this could occur at some point because there's only so many things you can test. It would be because I think it's kind of like no-till. You know, when no-till when no just started, you know, a lot of the research was done on first-year no-till, first-year no-till, and they just kept, you know, doing research on that. And now we're not testing the system. We all agree no-till is a system. Cover crops are a system. Now, we're, we're, we're paring it down to a, a small subtopic of slugs and cover crops. So you almost, ideally, need to look at the system. And that's multiple years. So what would happen if I would plant a mix for, let's say, five years, and then I plant single species for five years, and maybe no cover crop for five years. Let's say there's three variables in a plot, and you would just keep it like that. That, to me, would be good research uh, with, with uh, you know, yeah. tangible results. Uh, so far, I don't know of anybody who is doing that. But to me, that would be really good, uh, really good data and would be really fascinating to see. I also see Dan asked the question about annual ryegrass um, being an advantage of a slower kill, particularly with uh, glyphosate, which is what we typically use for annual ryegrass. I think there is something to it. Um, I would say, you know, if you're choosing between glyphosate and gramoxone, if that's your two choices, I think you're better off using the glyphosate uh, simply because of that slower kill. So no proof. That's just kind of theory and, 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 and so forth. That's what I would that's what I would think. Okay. Steve. Yep, go ahead. 
Yeah, um, back before we were planting green, uh, I know some of the work out of Ohio State that mm -hmm. if you could get the corn planted early enough mm -hmm. so that it was, you know, pretty good size, that it just the size of the corn uh, was too big for the, the slugs yeah. when they, they really start feeding. Yep. Yeah, and and I agree. I think there's something to that. Um, I, I believe um, I believe uh, indeed that that is the case, Dan. Uh, for some situations, that's also a, a kind of a plug also for starter fertilizer. Uh, starter fertilizer does indeed get the corn out of the ground greener and faster. The question is, does it end up to be a yield benefit or not? At least in some areas, I know it does, but not every area. So that might be a reason to use starter fertilizer, just to beat the slugs. I think there's something to it. I, I, I really do. Uh, that's going to depend on each each individual farm. Um, I haven't used that tactic directly for slugs of, of a desiring to plant early. Uh, that being said, I'm a relatively small grower, and I don't have to get out early just to get my acres covered, though, either. But I've not used that tactic to go early.